Welcome to WandaVision 30 Questions, a show where each week we ask 30 questions about the new hit show WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. I am your host, Adam Porches, and joining me today, he too has been known to trim the hedges. Sweet Sean Kovacs from the internet. Now with 90% less screaming. And that's not his water breaking. Bruce Leslie. Are we still doing those Manscaped spots? Is that what that was about? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> no, no, it is not. Oh, uh, good, good, good. We are back, everybody. Uh, episode three of season one, WandaVision, uh, entitled Now in Color. As for those of you who may be new to the show, we go all over the place with our 30 questions, so spoilers for all that kind of good stuff. But my guess is you probably knew that by now. Let's start off with question number one, gentlemen. What was your favorite 70s sitcom since that's the era that we're in this week? Can I go first? Please, please. Uh, and I don't I don't know. This might be cheating. It might not really count as a sitcom. It's more like farce, but I like soap. Soap could be that could work. Yeah, I'd put that in that category. Maybe not traditional sitcom per se. I mean, if se, you want me to I answer guess. more straightforward, I guess it'd be good times. But but yeah, soap is good too. Yeah, I don't I, soap isn't a three camera show, but that that's uh that that is a that is definitely a seventy. It's of the era, sitcom. that's for sure. I, I'd still call it a sitcom. It's just not a three camera show. For me, I, I guess I I kind of I think the seventies is kind of a really not so hot place for sitcoms. Fifties and sixties got the got tons of stuff in there. Eighties and nineties, huge time for sitcoms. Maybe because I wasn't around, but uh, for me, the seventies seems to be kind of a low place with a lot of sitcoms. So, like, I feel like the my initial inclination is to say, like, you know, the Brady Bunch, because that's certainly Sir. what I watched enough of. But Sir. I certainly don't think the Brady Bunch is a good show. Sir, please. The best sitcom of the nineteen seventies is the Bob Newhart Show, and it's not even close. That's a good one, man. That, Bob Newhart. That yeah. show. That show literally still holds up. You could watch that show, and with the exception of like like the way that they're dressed, and maybe there's a few things that are a little like you know older style thinking, but that show, the jokes, the jokes are still rock solid. And and I think one disservice to the Bob Newhart show is that. Everybody thinks of Newhart. You know, yeah. Newhart came at a time where it was able to reach such a much bigger audience that I think a lot of folks forget about the Bob Newhart show. Well, I, I, but, but I do want to. Can I just take a little bit of exception? You said the 70s was a bad time for sitcoms. I'm going to say I loved the Jeffersons. I love good times. I love Sanford and Son, Chico and the Man, Welcome Back, Cotter. I mean, there's a lot there. They just uh didn't kind of fall into the same staying power as some of the older ones. And then we didn't see him like in real time, like some of the more recent ones. Yeah. I, I think that may be one of the problems is that like, as far as it comes to like, you know, that uh, really in the nineties when, you know, Nick at night kind of kicked off and stuff, they didn't throw a lot of seventies uh, uh, sitcoms yeah. on there. So that they I, were I'll be, still being run. Yeah. Well, some of them were sure. <laughs> And it's like the 70s was when sitcoms uh, became a little more inclusive and diversified. So mm -hmm. not everybody was cool with that at the time. So some of that didn't uh, have the long life that stuff that came before and after did. There's Taxi. There's the Mary yeah. Tyler Moore show. Yeah, like, but it's like 70s cinema. A lot of it's just like dirty and gritty. And It is. And so it's a lot of dirty. Yes, for <laughs> yeah, sure. Taxi's not like a, a, a clean show. You feel like you got to take a shower after <laughs> I Taxi. I mean, Sanford and Son is in a junkyard. <laughs> That's true. It's a junkyard-themed sitcom. <laughs> All right, yeah, I, I'm I'm growing back now. I'm starting to remember that. Like, oh yeah, there's a lot more there than I guess I I kind of take yeah. credit for. So, and I mean, All in the Family does that count as a sitcom or is it too yeah. um yeah. too yeah, well yeah, yeah. done to call it a sitcom? No, it's a sitcom. No, no, yeah, and that's that's one of those classics. Let's go to question two. 
if all pregnancies only took a day, do you think that would be great or awful? Okay, here's the thing, right? For the ladies, that would be great. For the rest of society, it would be awful. And the reason being is that immediately it means being a parent becomes an impulse purchase. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a very, very bad thing. Yeah, regularly you've got nine months to kind of work up your 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 uh, nerve, as it were. <laughs> it's like, okay, here's how I've kind of prepared for stuff. I know what's coming along. I've been able to kind of set the table, if you will. But if you do that in one day, uh, oh boy. <laughs> All I can think about is just a, a few people out there would have ungodly huge amounts of kids. Like there's that show about the couple that have like 18 and counting or whatever. Oh, yeah. It'd be like 81 and counting if it only took a day. Babies are coming out of that lady like it's a flume ride. <laughs> it's a clown car down there. I just, oh, man, yeah. that's it, it sounds fun for half a second, but then when you start thinking about the logistics, no good. I mean, all like every orphanage would be stocked up with kids. I mean, it's just a bad, bad idea. <laughs> you want this kid? Well, listen, I got more kids than I know what to do with. But on the other hand, our social security would be well funded. Very <laughs> yeah. true. Very true. Maybe that's what we need to do. Start speeding up these pregnancies. <laughs> <laughs> Question, Question three. three. The set decoration this episode was amazing. Wanda Envision's house is basically my dream home. If I could make my house look exactly like that house, I would. Do you have a favorite TV home? Adam? Mine is not like, I, I won't go so far as to call it a dream home because I don't know that that's where I would go to s- fulfill some dreams or anything. But uh, as far as like a set goes, I got to go Seinfeld set. It is uh, his apartment. It's just, it's kind of perfect. It is really the one room. You're barely ever in the, uh, you know, uh, his room or the bathroom, but the bathroom is there in sight so people can go to the bathroom when information needs to come out while, you know, another person is away. And it's it's all in one, just one big location here for the most part. And uh, I, to me, that's super I, iconic. I had a studio apartment very much like Seinfeld's when I lived in Nashville. It was nice. But I think my favorite TV home, something always just seemed really cozy about the Huxtables. And uh, you add on the benefit that, like, the basement is a doctor's office, so you, like, work in the basement. You live on the second and third floors. I always thought the Huxtables house looked like a a place I would love to live. I mean, the fact they had stairs alone was, like, a big (laughs) – I was like, you got stairs in your house? Whoa. (laughs) Oh, I got lots of stairs now. (laughs) Now, 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 Yeah, when you're a kid, you're just like, oh, stairs. And as an adult, oh, geez, there's a lot of stairs here. Number four, Adam. Uh, Number four, the first episode was the 50s. The second episode was the 60s. This episode was the 70s. So we can only assume that this pattern will continue. So with that in mind, we'll hit present-day sitcoms, if present-day sitcoms are even actually a thing anymore. I'm not sure. But by episode eight, we'll hit that, leaving us one more episode left. If that's the case, what will they spoof in episode nine? I'm guessing police procedurals. I think what's going to happen is at the end of episode eight, like it seems like there's a transition at the end of every episode. And I think at the end of episode eight, they abandon the the conceit and we are facing like the real struggle or challenge. Like episode nine, the finale, I think is going to be less fantasy world and more like what's going on uh, in the non-meta context would probably end up being more along the lines of it. And again, this is all just interpretation from what the uh, concept of these things is, but something a little bit more real world, like uh, what, what we imagine um, the winter <laughs> yeah, soldier and uh, Falcon Falcon and the winter here's soldier. The perfect analogy. I think at the end of episode eight, we leave the matrix and then we're in Zion or whatever. Well, here's the, other well, you know, here. you know how that worked out well for the matrix series. So this should be good. <laughs> here's, here's the other thing also that's happening with the show is that that, that end cap at the end of each episode is getting longer. So the first episode was like, you know, like maybe a five second stinger. Then the second episode is like 30 seconds. And this is a, like maybe five minutes. Yeah. It, they are getting longer and closer to reality on this on this show. I have to, and I mean, we're only three episodes in, so I don't know if it'll play out across all nine episodes, 
But what I've seen so far, I do kind of have to uh, appreciate like the big picture look that they're taking and and kind of how it's progressing on a grand scale. Yes. They seem to be moving in a nice way. I, I, I like it so far. Let's go to question five. Are you impressed with hedge trimmers that can cut through cinder blocks? I don't think he was using hedge trimmers. It, I think he was. I think he was using a reciprocating saw. That's what I thought too. Until I read this question and I looked back, and it does look. It looks like it's almost a cross between the two. Oh, really? <laughs> In a weird way, because when he does take it back, finally, it does look you know a good bit like hedge clippers. But while it's sitting on the on the ledge there and everything, it 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 does look like a uh, an axe grinder like that. That's my thought. But it, it is it is strange, and I I love that this is his uh, this is kind of our glitching out moment, if you will. He's just cutting and cutting, and then just keeps staring on over. So like I'm really excited for wherever this is going to find out who these people are because I think this it's one of the many underlining mysteries in this show right now. And to answer your question, Bruce, that you know even with a recip saw, you're going to use while you're cutting. While you're cutting bushes, you're going to use a wood blade. Yeah. Not, not not a concrete blade on that. So, yeah, it's impressive. From another perspective of the same question, how pissed would you be if you walked out and your neighbor was just cutting through your block wall? I would be red hot, especially when I mention it to him and he just makes dead eye contact with me and keeps going. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah? It was like that when I found it. That's a real power move right there. The the, the dead eye, I'm not doing nothing different. I'm just going to look at you and continue to do that thing. Super power move. Number six, Sean. Bruce, instead of calling him fake mustache guy, how would you feel about blue-collar David Schwimmer? You know what? I like that. I like that a lot because he reminded me of somebody and I didn't know who it was. I saw this question and it just hit perfectly. That's like, you know, you remember like David Schwimmer played uh, Russ, the guy that looks like Ross, but he had a mustache. Yes, or something that like was that. great. <laughs> yeah, this guy is like Russ. David Schwimmer is Russ. <laughs> that guy is perfect. I, I love him. He has that kind of goofy uh, I, I'm on a sitcom kind of look about him like he just came out of casting. They go, oh, that guy's a neighbor right there. <laughs> Maybe it's not uh, blue-collar David Schwimmer. Maybe it's a real mustache wearing a fake David Schwimmer. Oh. Now, did you guys uh, check all the, like, there's so many little, um, you know, Sean mentioned just kind of how this this place is, des- all this, uh, you know, show is designed and everything. There are so many little uh, nuggets and Easter eggs all over the place, and their house is even one of them. If you look, their uh, lamp is two twins. One is telling another one a secret. Uh, you know, two hydrants have been, uh, you know, found in the uh, in the city for whatever that means. So it kind of means... The stained glass over the stairs is the Infinity Gems. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of just cool stuff that is really littered everywhere, and there's so much on this show that you just go, all they did was was planned on where to plant stuff. <laughs> Let's go to number seven here. Who do you guys think the people in the commercials are? A lot of a uh, lot of uh, thoughts out there from people on that's the internet. A, that's a great question uh, because they're the same people in all the commercials, right? The that's man correct. And woman. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, you know, I don't know who the man is, but I'm wondering, is like the woman going to turn out to be Madame Hydra? That's who I think it is. I think it's Hydra. And I don't know, did Madame Hydra have a brother or something? I remember like a brother-sister bad guy pair. I, 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 will, I will be straightforward here. I never liked Hydra in the comic books. I love Hydra in the movies. But I never liked the way that that it, that that they wrote it in 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 the old comic books. Yeah, I think one of, one of the uh, interesting theories that I've heard out there is that uh, could be Wanda's parents. Now, it doesn't necessarily jive with what we know as far as comic book uh, lore per se. Uh, but when you think about it, these two people—they're together. They're alone for those first two episodes. Come this third episode. Uh, mom now has two kids, a boy and a girl seem to be close and the same age together. Uh, so they're in the background. It is, it's again, the Calgon take me away, uh, kind of rip off commercial and everything. And that, you know, continues to go into the kind of dream cycle and things like that that we've seen, uh, 
uh, portrayed throughout the first couple of episodes. And I think that the chance, I think the chance is still greater than zero that those people in the commercials are just people in commercials. Oh, totally. Like, oh, yeah, for so, sure. So I don't know, but but yeah, that's a great question that I just don't have good answers for. I'd love to hear what other people think. They've got amazing ad agents that you know just get them into every ad decade after decade. <laughs> it's like yeah. these guys are good. Question number eight: Mephisto is a major part of the twin story in the comics. Are you picking up any Mephisto vibes in this show? I I'm not, but I'm also not looking for them. And I and I want to I want to put this out here. I hope Kevin Feige is saving Mephisto for if something goes really bad in the Marvel Universe, they can go <laughs> back to one like they did in the Spider-Man comic books. It seems like the only way to go. And, you know, I'm, I'm starting to understand this show a little bit better three episodes in. But after the first episode, I thought this might have been the thing that does need Mephisto at the end. But I'm actively looking for any clues or hints at Mephisto, and I'm not getting anything. Well, I mean, in the first two episodes, like Agnes, you know, talks about, you know, she knows, you know, th th locations about where the devil is, so to speak. And she drops enough hints, I think, within those first yeah, couple of episodes. Kind of she does kind of refer to her husband as like being the devil. So I don't know if that's going to be Mephisto. And it's like, oh, the but devil's yeah. in the details. That's not the only place that he is. But that's also a phrase that shows up in every third episode of every third show. The devil's in the details. So we'll see. We'll see if that pans out. Well, in, in this show where it doesn't feel like anything is coincidental, <laughs> I, I don't know. Adam, that could be the name of your new YouTube channel. What? Everything's not everything's coincidental? <laughs> no, the devil's in the details. No. Oh. That means I'd have to do extra work to get in on details, so no thank you. <laughs> no, no. At the end, at the end, you do an apology for everything that you screwed up. Mm -hmm. And it, that's why the name of the show is called The Devils in the Details. <laughs> See, you don't have to do any additional work. You even have to write less because you can intentionally screw up. And then at the end, you know, you just, you just add the stinger of, oh, here's where we screwed up today. Oh, the devil's my... in the details, but God's a big picture guy. That sounds like some words of wisdom somebody should say. <laughs> Why not? Number nine. Number nine, Sean. So does everyone in the town know that it's Wanda and Vision? Like, the, the does the Vision's boss from the first episode know that, you know, it's the Wanda and Vision? I, don't... I have no idea. And, and I think... I think... I'm getting the idea that a significant number of the people in the town are an artificial construct made by Wanda, so they probably don't know much. But then there's also some interlopers, and for some reason, Wanda can't tell the difference. Yeah, I, well, I think the interloper thing is, is definitely true, and um, there's certain ones that are. But I think everybody, after this episode, I'm definitely leaning more towards, you know, kind of your Truman Show idea where everybody is just going along. And really the Agnes Agnes, and I forget the gentleman who's... Uh, Herbie the or something. Herb. Yeah, it's Herb. That's it. Uh, Agnes and Herb, that conversation and them just kind of whispering to each other it really makes me believe that the, the town does know. The people that, that are there are at least in some way, shape, or form cognizant of what's going on that these two do not. Let's go to question 10. How familiar, familiar are you guys with Hydra and Soap, that connection? Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I, I might have to ask what you're asking. I, you're, are you talking about the blue Hydra soap? Yes. Yeah, so the Hydra soap that we see in the commercial—that's the you know the Calgon ripoff and everything. Uh, this is not me. This is the internet has told me as such. So, and I'll, I'll tell you when I when I claim things because there's one there's one big theory that I've gotten here that I haven't seen anybody else on the internet uh, talk about. But this this is not that question. Um, before there, before before you explain yourself and before before Bruce actually tells us the honest truth about <laughs> what all this is. Mm -hmm. Let me let me guess because I'm, I'm I I I am really like reaching into the the back of my brain with this one. Okay, is it something that has to do with mind control? 
Yeah, so apparently there was an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where uh, Agent Coulson talked about how Hydra is putting mind control uh, stuff in in right. soap, and people are using that soap and having memories implanted into their brains. They can't do that with him because he makes his own soap now. So uh, it really, right. this this commercial being in here, uh, other than being a, you know, a lovely Calgon reference and everything, is also saying, hey, adding more to the dream metaphor that's been going on in this series so far. Okay, because I thought maybe you were suggesting that I was not familiar with a bar of soap, that I needed a shower or something. I didn't get the question at all. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say that here. That's an off-air <laughs> thing, Bruce. It's like, how familiar are you with cars and soup? Like, two unrelated <laughs> things. I didn't know. You know, Bruce, even Grateful Dead followers used to use patchouli. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's kind of, it's Come a- on. <laughs> They're doing at least something. <laughs> Even if I just use the leftover pickle juice when the jar of pickles is empty. Oh, Lord. Mm. Bathe it in pickle juice. <laughs> it's the only thing that can get out the smell of skunk. Why uh, do you no- smell like dill? <laughs> uh, number 11. It's a special occasion. I'm doing sweet pickles. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Polsky Y-Robs myself. Uh, number Holy 11. Hell. <laughs> Did you think your internet messed up when Wanda made Vision have a glitch? For a half second there, yes, I did. I got I got angry and I was like, "Oh, what the hell?" Oh, okay, good, <laughs> because it was it uh, with the other episode having rewound a tape backwards, which I thought was interesting. This there is that black spot where it is just a flash jump cut over to the next, you know, the, the scene redone, if you will. It really felt like a data error. I had For to rewind it and make sure that it was supposed to be there. For a split second, I thought the same. Yes. I uh, it, it reminded me of a time, the first time that I watched uh, Deer Hunter was on DVD, right? So it's kind of like probably early to, late, late 90s, early 2000s when it was like one of the first kind of DVDs out there. I put it in, you get to this point where they've gone past the big uh, Russian roulette scene and Robert De Niro's laying in bed. And so from that shot, all of a sudden we go back to the Russian roulette scene and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. He's like, he's dreaming of, you know, when he was trapped in Vietnam and everything and had to uh, go through all this. And then as, and I'm like, man, they are really going through this entire scene. Turns out I sat on the remote <laughs> and jumped a, a chapter backwards. That you is know, awesome. That happened to me today watching Puma Man. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a mess. Up. That for the Puma Man, that was a mess up, and somebody uploaded it wrong. So that wasn't you. Uh, but like, it, but it happens at a uh, at a moment where he slams into the force field. <laughs> And I thought that they had gone back in time to go back to, <laughs> and I was like, that is really clever of this really dumb movie. And no, no, it was just recorded wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I understand the artistic uh, desire to put a glitch in your show on purpose, but you kind of can't make it too believable because then you just make me not trust the technology I'm using. Like, I like a glitch that you know, like like when the uh, uh, VHS tape looks like it's melting in Gremlins 2. I never really thought the VH tape was melting. But in this, I was worried. Well, I mean, it, and it's like the, you know, the scene in Fight Club where the scene gets so intense that the film kind of, you know, rattles off of its sides there and everything. And in the theater, that was just the coolest thing. But and like you, for half a second, you thought it might be, but you, you knew it wasn't very quickly. <laughs> And like in the 90s, there was this radio commercial that absolutely enraged me because (laughs) it was a commercial for a place that sold stereo speakers for your car. And the track on the commercial uh, intentionally made it sound like your speakers were going out. Oh, man, (laughs) that's great. (laughs) Classic douchebag stuff that they wouldn't let you do anymore, I don't think. Yeah. Number 12. Have you ha, have we seen Polaris in any Marvel or Foxman movies yet? I don't think we have, but now I'm super curious why you're asking. That's why I put the question in because, like, I, I I'm fairly certain that we haven't, but I don't know where this line of question is going. Well, I, I, unless I'm getting my my, my comic booky nerdiness wrong, Polaris is related to Magneto, right? Yeah, and so. She is the, she's like the half sister of, yep. yes, okay. And the, what what's making me think that is that, you know, if they were going to have 
if they were going to have mutants show up at the end of this 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 season here, the show, then one of the first ones we would get is Polaris because we know Magneto and we know Scarlet Witch and we know these people. So it would make sense that Polaris would show up first. And because I, I, I was trying to remember, because we see when we see Quicksilver in the X-Men movies, he has a sister. There's like a baby in the house with him. Is yeah, yeah, that yeah. Polaris? You know, it could be. Man, that was a great pickup. Hmm. I don't know. With this show, anything is kind of up in the air. It's true. Let's head on on to 13 here. Uh, Hedge Trimmer Herb, as I'll call him for this episode, says she, meaning Geraldine, came here because we're all dot, dot, dot. What do you think that next part of that was? Aliens. (laughs) Put your hands right. The... uh, uh, I wish that you would have asked this like uh, like match game seventy six, Adam. Uh, whoopee! <laughs> <laughs> now, but no, honestly, I think maybe aliens. Like maybe they're scrolls. You know, oh wow, because you got to think Monica Rambeau is affiliated with Carol Danvers. She's associated with the Kree. We first saw our scrolls in uh, the Captain Marvel movie. Uh, Monica Rambeau becomes Captain Marvel for a while in the comics. Here we know that S.W.O.R.D. is all over the place. I think maybe Monica Rambeau is working with S.W.O.R.D. They're like the equivalent of S.H.I.E.L.D. dealing with alien threats. And I think that they may have made a composite character of Monica Rambeau and Abigail Brand. And I think she's there because these people may be aliens, potentially scrolls. I, I love that idea. I think and, that might and be And we it. do know Secret Invasion is one of the next series that Disney Plus is doing. Hmm. That's the only thing that makes me think that they may be, and I, and I love the theory, and I think it's it's just as good as anyone, and I don't think I've heard anybody actually say that they uh, think that it might be scrolls, and I, I like that. But because that series is coming up, I, I wonder if they would sprinkle that too early in this show or or maybe it is the the perfect time to do it is start throwing I mean, in a little bit of scrolls sword here. sword is going to be a central part of secret invasion and swords all over this show yeah i listen i like it like i said i don't think i've seen anybody uh punch out scrolls yet so i'll take it so uh, agents we're all agents robots yeah i mean some people have said everything from like uh dead to uh there's there's been all kinds of crazy theories but i like scroll i like scroll i'm, I'm gonna stick with we that. all float down here <laughs> we're all vegan he was about to say vegan and she didn't want anybody to know no oh, she brought over that she brought over that uh chicken and veal parm or whatever the hell it was the first episode so because she wasn't gonna eat it she's vegan she's oh, gotta give it away fair enough she bought it though <laughs> <laughs> just in case somebody else wanted it or needed it yeah i never eat meat but i love to cook it Fourteen. Mm. So what do you think Westview is exactly? Because I have a mild theory. Well, tell us your theory. Well, first off, uh, let me make sure I saw it correctly on the show. But we know the town that Wanda is in is called Westview. Then at the end, when Geraldine gets kicked out of uh, the Westview that Wanda lives in, and she flies into the real world through a portal, doesn't she land in front of a facility with a sign that says Westview? Yes. So... You know, there was this comic arc uh, right before Secret Empire. I think, I'm, I'm guessing maybe three years ago now, might have been four, time runs together on me sometimes. But there was this facility where they stored supervillains called Pleasant Hill, where they would be locked into this artificial reality, kind of like into a matrix where they were just living in this suburban place and, you know, selling ice cream and riding their bicycles and stuff. And I wonder if Westview might be some kind of facility akin to Pleasant Hill. Yeah, I mean, the idea of Westview, at least as, you know, before it's been portrayed up until this point with with that sign and everything, uh, I always kind of thought of is what she's kind of manufacturing in her head is her ideal of the West as seen through the lens of television reruns from all of these uh, years back and everything. Um, But yeah, it's... 
maybe the maybe just a I, it feels like it was a town and that town just may be the thing with which holds her and then all of uh all of her powers and everything she's the one really remaking uh this the city as this show goes on and another thought I had is maybe Westview is the facility where Strucker was holding her and her brother captive while he experimented on him with the uh, cosmic cube or whatever to turn her into Wanda, into the Scarlet Witch. I forget where I saw it and exactly what it was because it was kind of fleeting, but somebody did say it's fairly certain that this is in New Jersey, this show. Okay. I, I, I You know, for whatever that, take that for what you will. <laughs> 15, Sean. Is Vision the only person in this world that doesn't know the truth? I think there's a possibility because convention would have told us that, you know, her and Vision are the ones who don't quite know exactly what's going on. But I think at this point, perhaps Wanda knows what's going on, but doesn't want to admit it or doesn't want to, you know, acknowledge that it's a, you know, a construct of her making to a degree. Oh, I think I think she definitely knows. And I'm still at this point. I still believe that Vision is 100 percent just a Wanda construct. He's just oh, an yeah. illusion. Okay. Yeah, because he is gone. There was a video back when uh, the last uh, Endgame, I think, yeah, came out that uh, the Russo brothers were asked to question what happened to Vision's body. And at the time, it doesn't seem like anything, but they you know, casually brushed off and said, well, that's a question for another time. So there's, I feel like there's something going on with his body. She may be trying to uh, kind of reinvigorate or something. I don't know. Wake, wake that and, up, bring it back to I mean, life. And I mean, just straight up, going to episode two, there's absolutely zero chance, in my opinion, that the real vision would react to chewing gum the way that this vision does. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would think this sentient being would uh, that has these phasing powers and stuff could probably reach in and because Wanda did it, for heaven's sake. Yeah. That might be the maddest I've ever been at TV. <laughs> it's literally within <laughs> those moments. <laughs> It's like she could do it the whole time, but you couldn't do it. It's like, well, my, my system was messed up, so I couldn't quite, uh, sure, sure. Number 16, Adam. 16, did mentioning Pietro finally move the needle for you guys? What do you mean by this? Uh, because this is the point where things, to me, truly changed. And that is, uh, so the first time she's looking at her twins, she looks at Geraldine and just goes, I was a twin. This is like super great emotional moment. Her accent comes back. She loses this kind of American accent that she's been doing this entire time. It goes back to who she really is. This is, to me, this is the point where um, we're really starting to get that uh, that twist, that turn. Uh I think it's uh, interesting to me because, like you said, Adam, it's the first time she acknowledges an awareness of anything that came before episode one. And also, I feel like it's the first time they've really mentioned Pietro since he died in uh, Avengers 2, just on account of the whole Fox X-Men thing. Yeah, I wonder if that may have been part of the reason why they uh, shifted away from really anything, you know, concerning yeah. him. I mean, yeah, but it would have been kind of weird for him to have these dueling Pietros out there. But that does lead nicely into question 17. Can I ask it? Please. If Wanda used her powers to either bring back or create a version of Pietro, which actor should they use? The MCU Pietro or the Fox Quicksilver? I have heard people like asking this question online, but most people go straight to, uh, you know, the Quicksilver from the Fox. That's yes. my favorite of the two. I mean, yes. what's the He's guy's name? Way Aaron, better. Is it Aaron Johnson Taylor? Who is the MCU Pietro? I I forget because the names. Uh, I mean, they, no, they were he, both in. Yeah, they he were was both in Kick Ass. Yeah, but I really <laughs> like the Fox Quicksilver better than the MCU Pietro. Way better. But at the same time, too, as far as you know, the continuity and everything that we've seen, certainly not her brother. That could lead to you know, fun saying, hey, you're not my brother kind of thing. So that's a whole, you know, can of worms right there. Uh, but it, I don't know that it would give, if that's what we're looking for, would give any solace to her, if it being, you know, the other guy. 
Well, yeah, but that that also makes for way more interesting storytelling that this yeah. guy who oh, comes yeah. back isn't even your brother. That's but, pretty but awesome. He, but he also is her brother. You know right. what I mean? It's right. like like right. that's the cool part of it. It's pure on Crisis on Infinite Earths, but taken from DC to MCU television. And and given what we're doing with all the Fox stuff, like it it does seem to make sense to where you're going to have to start getting some chocolate and peanut butter and people are just going to have to deal with it one way or the other, you know. And also you bring over Quicksilver from Fox, then if they ever wanted to, they could bring in like the evil Wanda from the Fox universe and they were separated at birth and he never even knew his sister. You know. Oh, dang. Yeah. Just don't do that thing they did in the uh, Ultimate Universe with Wanda and Quicksilver, please. Oh, boy. Oh, please, please. <laughs> no one needs that. We're all right. It's, Dis- it's Disney. There's no way. <laughs> They're not going to go pure Game of Thrones on us. Maybe yes, not. They won't. Sean, 18. Elizabeth Olsen cried a tear on cue this episode. Do you think that was acting or was it done in post? I, I am offended. I am offended because I love Elizabeth Olsen. There's no way that was post. She was pure on self-tearing. I've seen some CGI tears in my time. I have. I've seen them. This I do not believe was one of them. If it was, it was one of the best I ever seen. But I don't think that is. She is fantastic and is especially in this episode. It, she's just killing it. And it's it. You know, just give give her whatever Emmy or however they're doing with Streamy Awards. <laughs> give her whatever that is right now because she's she's kind of killing it. Hey, I remember one piece of acting advice that Burt Reynolds gave to Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. <laughs> he said, if you need to cry on camera, just pull out a nose hair. It works every time. <laughs> I curse a lot if, I, if a nose hair comes out, so it's going to be, you know. 19. I think a lot of people have the idea that Wanda is being, for lack of a better word, forced to do all of this. Yet we've seen her control the world, like rewinding after we see the sword uh, guy come out of the sewer. Is there any chance that she decided that this is what she's wanting and, and, and hid specifically? I think 100% this is her. Yeah, me too. No, no. So do you you think that she has actually, you know, put herself in this position on purpose with we'll assume sword is, you know, kind of monitoring or whatever. I mean, it might be like a fugue state, like a, a disassociative break. You know, those are psychiatric terms. But I think this is 100 percent her creation, her power. Nobody is doing this to her. But there may be people that are a trying to take advantage of her in this state and be trying to get her out. Or maybe C, trying to keep her here forever while she's here. But yeah. I think it's 100%. This is her. As I said last week, I think that she got us here, but she's stuck now. And the powers that be outside that bubble are basically just monitoring the situation. Is This is all conjecture. Yeah, but at that point, and I'm sure we'll find out, but the big question is at that point, to what end? Well, that's why we got to keep watching. That's why the show exists and you have to continue to watch it. That's correct. Let's go to 20, Bruce. Was Agnes and her bicycle a reference to the Wicked Witch of the West from Wizard of Oz, like the Kansas version of the lady before we see her in Oz as the Wicked Witch? I will tell you that my favorite moment of this entire show happened this episode with Katherine Hahn, where she says something like, well, that cross stitch isn't going to stitch itself. Winks and hits the bell on the bike at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely wonderful. That is such a that is such just like marvelous, marvelous uh, like moments. I, I I just love this woman. She is a treasure. Yeah, uh, I think that bike absolutely is. It is just like the Wicked Witch of the West in, in Kansas. As you know, the house goes up and everything, which is great because she's got the flowers on the on the on the front of the bike there and everything. And she also indeed does ring her little bell as she's, you know, going through all that kind of good stuff. And and I, you know, I'm still married to the idea that Ag- Agnes is Agatha Harkness. And of course, Agatha Harkness is a witch, one of the original Salem witches, according to Marvel lore. So I'm looking for witch imagery every time I see Agnes. And this is the first one I've really seen. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's going to continue on, and uh, I've 
been unfortunately when I'm trying to look out enough things on the internet without trying to go too far because when people say oh here's what happened in the trailer I don't like seeing that because I didn't watch any of the trailers but I've seen an image or two and I think it's about a you know 98 percent we got a Agatha Harkness on our hands here 21 Sean will the twins be grown up by the end of this season so if we look at the at the source material, we look at the comic books, the twins I don't expect to survive till to adulthood. I expect mm-hmm. the twins to be reclaimed by the end of the season or something horrific to happen. But but I don't think that we are led to believe the twins still exist when the season is over. We just hmm. like torturing the crap out of this woman, don't we? <laughs> Because it's like, oh, look, you finally got kids. Here's everything. No, 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 well, no, she's, no. She's too dang powerful. So you've got to, you know, you've got to hit her mentally. Yeah. And especially with, and this is something that I, I didn't really, maybe I didn't notice it or anything before, but for a lot of the commentary videos that I've seen about this show have, have brought it up that Wanda herself kind of. You know, obviously the red and the ether and stuff that we put together from the Infinity Stone, but she's kind of had, you know, a little bit of all of those powers in her. Oh, so huh. and and so I guess that's kind of how they're that some people talk about like her magic stuff, and that's that a lot of people equate that to you know, oh, she's able to turn back time and do this kind of thing. She's able to do that uh, deal over here, the phasing with uh, Vision and all that kind of stuff. So it. It's interesting. I, I don't know what to make of it, but I didn't know if you guys had ever heard that before. Well, you know, the the era when I first started reading any comics with Scarlet Witch, the era when I first really got to know Scarlet Witch, her powers were described as simply reality warping powers. Yeah. You know, later they've changed it to hex magic and this and that. But at the time, they just basically said the ability to warp reality. So that is the reality stone. So I I don't know, it, but as far as having them grow up at the end of the season, we did you know obviously we progressed through an entire pregnancy in you know one day here in the show wise. Uh, I, I wonder if that continues on. Obviously, we're going to be going to you know another decade of sitcoms and stuff, but I don't know that the kids will jump you know five hey, ten years or whatever in between. In in, in, the, in the comics, they make it to like elementary school age, then they get worn by pup worn like puppets for hands on this guy that's part of Mephisto. So I don't think they're we're gonna see them survive this season. So it's gonna end on a good note, everybody. Prepare yourselves for joy. <laughs> well that might be part of what happens in episode eight that kicks us into the real world for episode nine. That's true. Uh, 22, do you guys, uh, excuse me, do you think Wanda now suspects or does she know or does that she believes she knows what's going on? I think she's known the entire time. I think it's like, I really think it's like a fugue state. I think that she, you know, like somebody in a fugue state or with disassociative identity disorder for a period of time, they aren't aware that they're doing what they're doing the way that they're doing it. And then with time, they can't deny the clues and they start to catch on and they get insight. But I think we're actually seeing her gain insight. I think she's uh, just to use terms that sci-fi and comic book folks can, can relate to. I think she has wiped her own memory. She's done like, uh, you know, men in black. She's looked at her own neuralizer. Yeah. Decided, Hey, I don't want any of this, uh, you know, the dark stuff that's going around me with, you know, the man that I love dying, my brother dying and all this stuff. So I've created this entire, you know, little world for myself. And, but eventually you do need to come to grips with the fact that, Hey, these are the things that happened. And as much as you can try to run from this, you can't really run. Hey, it's the Truman show meets uh, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, if you're going to do that, I'm, I'm all game, boy. <laughs> Wait One till Jim Carrey is Mephisto. He would probably kind of kill that if you if you gave him the right material. He could do that Eggman thing. <laughs> 23. Do you think we'll see the twins grow up to be Wiccan and Speed in the MCU? I think with those names, everybody assumes that that's the route that they're going on. So I, I wouldn't see why they wouldn't be those, but I don't know if they'll get that moniker by series end yeah like well no i don't think they're going to get it by series end because it wouldn't work we need to almost have a few years to forget about the twins 
then Wiccan and Speed show up and we figure out it is her twins, you know, but I don't know if the MCU will keep going in that linear path long enough for that gambit to pay off or if they'll hit some kind of reboot soon. Because I'm kind of feeling like maybe part of this and the Mouth of Madness is we're getting reboot territory soon. And twins. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, now that I guess that then brings up the question are are the twins even real at this point? Well, that's that's the deal with Wiccan and Speed. You know, the twins weren't necessarily real. You know, they were fragments of a of a demon's soul. But then down in the underworld, those same fragments still grew to adulthood and came back, and they're Wiccan and Speed. You know, Wiccan has the powers of Scarlet Witch. Speed has the powers of Quicksilver. And it's like this weird thing from the time they spent with her, they were influenced genetically. Hmm. And it's also this question, are they really her twins or do they just, uh, does she just think they're her twins? You know, there's, there's always this like question mark over those two. I like it. I mean, yeah, just, I I like open to interpretation and us kind of guessing and, and whatnot. And especially with how they're planning on doing things, it wouldn't surprise me to kind of have these two hidden over in the corner and then all of a sudden smack you in the face. Here's Wicked and Speed, everybody. You remember them from all the way back then? Now, I now just, look at them. I just don't know if we'll ever get to the Young Avengers chapter of the Avengers story. Hey, listen, man. Uh, old Feige's got to make himself some money, so we'll, we'll have something. That's- <laughs> uh, something tells me he could retire right now and be just fine. <laughs> but you, you think friends call him Kev? <laughs> he doesn't look like a Kev to me. No. But yeah, yeah. All, but even if you throw a Kev in there, like looks at you kind of sternly, like it's Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh boy, all right, Kevin. Gee whiz. I, the worst is I don't like it when people have like the three or four syllable name and they won't let you abbreviate it in any way. It's like I don't have six weeks to say your name every time. My niece is one of those. So, so if you're in a <laughs> if you're in a role like Kevin Feige's role, are you like paid a salary with some bonuses, or do you get points on every movie? You get points. Oh, that dude is so rich. (laughs) How many billion dollars? I mean, even, you know, half a point on the kind of money they've made. This guy's sitting pretty. He's He's making way more than half a point. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, low end. Any, any, I've never heard of less than half a point. So man, (laughs) he's doing, he's doing good. Listen, all I want is one thirty-sixth of a point. Okay. Hey, I'd be pretty darn happy with that. I wouldn't consider I did absolutely nothing. (laughs) I earned every bit of it. I'll tell you. 24, Sean. The Monkey's Daydream Believer plays at the end of this episode. Are they the greatest fake band of all time? Adam? I I think so. Or at least they're the ones with, in my opinion, probably the best best hits. Uh, A lot of people will say Partridge Family, same kind of era and everything. I was never a Partridge Family guy. I think mostly because I hated Danny Bonaducci as a kid. You just want a very punchable child. (laughs) Did did the monkeys ever win a Grammy? Oh, I have oh, wow. no idea about that. Because I, I know Millie Vanilli won Grammys. <laughs> That's so true. I think Millie Vanilli probably are the greatest fake band of all no, time. No, I think so either them or the Rock of Fire Explosion. I think you're right, Bruce, because they had at least two ginormous hits and had zero talent between the two of them, and uh, they reached the height of heights. And is uh, and, well, go ahead. And, and with the monkeys, didn't Davy Jones really sing? Like the musicians didn't really musicize, but he really did sing. <laughs> well, and by the end, they they were all playing their instruments. Yeah, they got better, and so it was it was that like we cast them for the show and everything, and they had like you know people from the Wrecking Crew do all the uh, the actual music. They did sing and eventually did learn and and played a lot of their own instruments and stuff. So they got they they did better than Millie Vanilli, which was uh, do, do we have to give our Grammy back now? Or <laughs> all that Millie Vanilli did was uh, what they thought was dancing and that was it girl you know it's true i tell you there's that. also there's also that band that was made from the flintstones is it the uh <laughs> yeah bam bam was in that one with pebbles <laughs> but i mean they have that hit song with pebbles and bam bam and the archies you know sugar the sugar archies. was went number one that's right it's another fake band but but no love for the rock of fire explosion beyond me no i don't think i so. don't know what that is that's the band at uh, showbiz pizza place the animatronic band I'm a Chuck E. Cheese man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, the, uh, you would be bougie like that. <laughs> the uh, uh, also also nobody nobody likes cold slither. Nobody. 
I we're cold slither. You'll be joining us soon. Oh, what was the um? Oh, oh that's oh, the Jug Band bad guys, right? That's yes. the that's yes. Soggy Bottom Nightmare Band. Oh man, they were good. Yeah, Cold Slither is the Cobra rock band. That, <laughs> oh, from GI <laughs> Joe. Yeah. Yes. Where Cold Slither, you'll be joining us soon. Oh man, I gotta go back and watch that. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> it's really good. Twenty-five. Do you think Geraldine? Were, okay, and I want to say this. This is this is my theory. This is something that I've come up with, which means it's probably wrong, and that's why no one else on the internet has been saying it. But this this is my uh, my big shot for this bad boy. Uh, do you think Geraldine works for Sword, or has she infiltrated Sword for AIM? I think that that character is so bloody interesting, and has an already rooted past just given the one movie that that character was in and now this tv show that she is probably going to be the premier character for sword because i think we're going to be seeing a lot of sword going forward i think she's definitely 100 percent a good guy from day one just because of her childhood relationship with captain marvel so i don't think there's any chance she works for aim the reason i asked this is because, you know, she's got uh, hexagon earrings on. Hexagon has been a, a theme throughout this entire thing. The beekeeper comes out. He doesn't quite necessarily seem like he may be a sword guy per se, to, even despite him having a sword emblem on his back and everything. And at the end of the episode, when she's launched out, uh, you know, past a little force field or whatever we'll call it, um, it doesn't look like this is so much of a recovery group that's coming to see her as in a discovery they go what is this let's get towards that it doesn't feel like they're going hey let's get her out of there it feels like hey let's get her that's the vibe i got and and i've also seen some people doing like some really wacko bananas like like dark web chat room stuff where they break down the sword logo and show how you can trace the letter a i and m through that logo to say sword and aim are the same organization but i'm not buying into that because i mean either they played that card already and and, you know i could take that circle with a line through it and trace nearly any combination of letters (laughs) yeah you can you can start reading into things it's like oh look the taco bell symbol is the 666 and you're like if you take all the letters of geraldine and and mix them around and it spells algerine like it means nothing to me oh speaking of which sword symbol on the side it's basically ghostbusters (laughs) da 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 Somebody 26. Oh, sorry. That's you, buddy. 26. So by the end of the season, will we see a villain wear the twins like puppets? Because that's my favorite memory of the twins from the comics. To me, that was like this. Before I I saw an image of what this actually was, I read this question. I'm like, what what kind of sick, crazy stuff is Bruce talking about? Explain that to people who who were like me and might not know. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm hoping everybody's already went and checked out my Wanda and Vision video on YouTube. But I have a nice picture there of uh, Master Pandemonium taking the twins away from Wanda and he absorbs them into his body as his hands. And he's standing there with his hands up and these children look like, like almost like puppets on his hands. And it's just the the craziest thing in the world. Uh, the only image I can think of when I think of the twins of Wanda and uh, vision. Doesn't feel like that's a real Disney kind of thing. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> maybe maybe pushing a little bit of boundaries here. But you mentioned Anagram, and uh, there's something that somebody put together with that cover of the uh, newspaper talking about the two hydrants and everything. And uh, apparently you can form that around to, uh, I formed Dead Hydra Town. I don't, you know. Oh, yeah. I You know, then they said it, it's probably very coincidental that that happens. Time well spent. <laughs> hey, nerds <laughs> It only nerds. took 72 hours in a supercomputer to give come me up my, with that. Give me my decoder ring. <laughs> 27. At the end of this run, do you think there will be kids who are huge Wanda and or Vision fans? Just, just think of a small sample size. Just between your kids and my kids, Sean. They are fans of stuff that's not very good. You know what I mean? Like, like Shark Boy and Lava Girl was big with both of our sets of kids. True. And if if there are kids that absolutely massively love Shark Boy and Lava Girl, there are going to be some kids that are all about Wanda and Vision. Well, the reason why I asked this question 
is because I knew that that Wanda and Vision weren't really nailing it with the kids because when you go through the toy aisles, there's a whole lot of Wanda and Vision toys still up on the <laughs> Yeah, they, they're I can't not believe going like Wanda Captain America and Iron Man. No. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that this is an easy sell to a small kid, especially three episodes at this point. That I'm sure they're just all scratching their heads. But you know, I, I look at this case study of you know my niece and nephew. Like he loves uh, all the Mandalorian stuff. Like that, he's sure. all on board with that. But I don't. I, I don't think he gives two craps about what this will be. I think well, Vision would be a cool toy, though. Like, like Vision is a figure I would like to have. But if I'm going to get a Wanda action figure, I'm not getting the MCU version of Scarlet Witch. I want to get like comic book old school with the, you know, the funny headgear on and all that. If you got a Vision toy, you're just slamming him against the wall, thinking he's going to phase right through, and it doesn't happen. Your, uh, I'm loving it. Your Vision toy look like crap. Twenty-eight, Adam. Twenty-eight. Transformation and new life are large themes of this show. Decades of TV, including the evolution of social norms via the uh, medium of television. Butterflies, the birth of the twins, Wanda Vision being reborn in this TV timeline. They're taking these things and evolving them alongside evolutions. Might one think this could also include and tie in to mutations? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I, I think this is going to be... Uh, tell pe- tell people about the kind of no more mutants thing and how this could kind of come through, Bruce. Well, yeah, like M Day is sort of the opposite of what I'm seeing here. But you know the the troubles that Wanda has felt, the the emotional problems, the psychological problems ever since her kids were taken from her, they all came to a head. I think it was 2005, somewhere around there, when this storyline House of M came out. But she finally just couldn't take it anymore, and her solution was to proclaim no more mutants. And she wiped out like 99 or 95% of all the mutants around the world. And that was the end of them. And what I'm thinking here is maybe she sends a shockwave in the other direction because so far we don't have any mutants in the MCU. And the shockwave goes the other direction and introduces mutants into the MCU. Man, doesn't it feel like we've just really dodged a bullet where Ike Perlmutter really wanted to make the Inhumans a gigantic thing in the MCU? Yeah, we just dodged a bullet because now Disney has the mutants. We don't have to like pretend that Inhumans are awesome. And and I mean, you know, meta gaming it or whatever, looking at it from the inside. I, I'm pretty sure Ike Perlmutter uh, is the one who pushed that M Day storyline through because he was bitter about his comics, you know, building up all this hype for uh, the X Men and then Fox making all the money from it. Yeah. And, you know, it's a pre-Disney kind of thing when Ike Perlmutter had nobody that outranked him. Don't worry, guys. We'll always have the Inhumans television show available right now on Disney+. Plus. At least I think I'm, it had gotten to the point where Perlmutter had banned any iconography, pictures, posters, anything that said the Fantastic Four was not allowed to be on any wall in any Marvel property. I mean, that's how bitter he got towards Fox, as if Fox, like, forced him to do that, you know? <laughs> Put a gun to your head, sir. 29. I've heard that Kat Denning's character from Thor, Darcy Lewis, is going to show up in WandaVision. What's up with that? My thought is, is every show needs either a Cousin Oliver or an Urkel. And, well, and she's probably one of one of those two. Do you have any thoughts, Sean? Uh, you know, my first thing goes to Thor, the dark world. That's yeah. my first thought towards it. So, you know, like there's a little bit of that, but even, you know, I mean, that character wasn't an expert in anything. So I don't know why she would show up here. It's not like she's going to be a calming presence. She's, <laughs> she's, she's the character, the character is kind of funny. Uh, so that part's cool. Uh, I mean, that's my only thought about it. I'm trying to think like in Thor Dark World, boy, the the details are fuzzy. I know that they were working with, they had discovered these portals, like these interdimensional portals. And I don't know if somehow Kat Denning has, or rather Darcy Lewis has held on to that technology or equipment and somehow she accidentally pops herself here. I mean, maybe she does a sort of a Sarah Connor transformation from Terminator 1 to Terminator 2, where now she's yeah. an expert in the thing. That could totally be the case. I, I 
mainly I, though, I'm I'm just like, are people screaming for more Darcy Lewis? Are there people upset that we haven't seen Darcy Lewis in well, such a long time? Is there a television show still in the air? <laughs> it's it's one of those things where you know, like they're trying to show you that. Look, we know we know that the Netflix Marvel never matched up with any of the MCU stuff, and neither did Agents of Shield. However, this will, and so let's get who we can for. And like Agents of Shield is a place. If you told me Darcy Lewis was showing up there, it would make absolute sense. Yes, but here I don't. I don't get it. But you know, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's baby steps towards the elevator, Bruce. Yeah. Hmm. Wrapping it all up with question number thirty. Guys, there was menace for the last five minutes of this episode. Menace. Glorious, glorious menace. Like I've wanted for the show the entire time. Why? Good God almighty, why did it take an hour and 25 minutes to get to this point? I call it artistry. Uh, because that's what it was. I think this is going to be one of those series, and I rewatched the first two episodes leading into this third uh, episode just so I kind of, you know, just get the full vibe again. And I, I think it's the plan for the entire time is that this is a, a more of a slow burn, and I think that you know you're right that this is one of the tougher things for kids to get onto because it is a slow burn. It is just. Uh, taking its time getting to where it's it's going but, but i think the kids might actually be more entertained by the sitcom shenanigans than a lot of the adults are hmm. uh, like yeah. i could see a younger kid totally being into that magic show and the gummy you well, know the chewing gum and the gears and all that stuff now that it's in color definitely i think the black and white stuff would make a kid i mean that yeah that's true children but but here's a, a question on your question sean Oh, if if last week they had dropped the first three episodes instead of the first two, how different do you think our first episode of the questions? <laughs> well, would have I been? would have, I definitely would have been a screaming cartoon. But I think <laughs> that, I think that the the like you, man, I, I I promised I wouldn't go as negative as I did the first show here. Uh, I think that, uh, I think that I would have been. I think that I, I I would have been like, man, this took forever, but we're here. Okay. They did like they did I, give out the first three episodes to like press and stuff like that. The people that are reviewing on Rotten Tomatoes and all that kind of good stuff. They gave them the first pretty three common episodes. Practice. Yeah. It's always like three. But I think this third episode was the hook. And yes. uh, you know, I think uh, people that bailed out after last week have missed the hook. You know, for some reason some bizarre world that you live in you're hearing this but you didn't watch the third episode <laughs> go back and check it out this is the hook <laughs> and who are you email us at wandavision 30 q at gmail.com i want to know how you got to this episode and you skip the other ones that's just i picture it's some guy riding in the back of an uber where the driver's listening to this and he's like finally hearing this part it's a spoiler alert, you big jerk. And if you're playing this in the Uber, thanks a lot. World's thanks. worst Uber driver spoils all the shows. <laughs> I, I want an Uber driver playing us to their to their uh, uh, customers and stuff. That would be that'd be super lovely. Well, that is it, everybody. We got another thirty questions under our belt, and uh, you know what? I think we're going to do the same thing next week with more of this fun, fun Wandavision, Bruce. Until then, where might we find more of your work on the internet? Uh, folks can check out my YouTube channel. It's uh, youtube.com slash C slash Bruce Leslie, or simply search for Bruce Leslie. And I uh, got a great Wanda and Vision video up there to give you some background you might need for this show. I've also got some great talk about Pace Pot Pete, King Shark, Amalgam Comics. Go check it out. It's a it's a new channel. I'm always I'm definitely desperately looking for subscribers right now. Do it, people. It'll change your life. Everything changes your life, but, you know, this will be one for the better. Sean, <laughs> what else? Uh, find me on Twitter at Sean Kovacs 4 That's sweet Shanti from the Internet Explanation Point, uh, uh, where you can talk to me directly, and I most of the time write back. Mostly. Mostly. 
Uh, and of course, check out Hero Movie Podcast, where uh, we talk about superhero movie and TV shows uh, for the past seven years. Tons of episodes out there, so check that out. And of course, we also want to hear from you guys. If you have any questions that you would like on the show, email us at wandavision30q at gmail.com. Best ones will make it on the show. Make them short and sweet. We really appreciate that. If you dig this show, check them all out. Man, we appreciate that. And uh, review us on iTunes. We also uh, enjoy when you guys do that. That is it, everybody. Join us next week when we're talking another 30 questions for Sweet Sean's Kovacs from the Internet. Bruce Leslie, I'm Adam Portress reminding you to forget the past. This is your future. Cheer up, sleepy Now you know how happy I can be Oh, and our good time starts and ends Without our love one to spend But how much, baby, do we Cheers!